we'll transition into our time of scripture reading. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for fruit. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. This is the word of God. So today we are celebrating Freedom Sunday with partnership with IJM. We've actually done this uh, year two of our church plant, and we, we, did, we haven't done it in the last two years. And IJM Korea landed in Korea. Now they have an office in Itaewon. And in our conversation, uh, we really felt like this was an appro- appropriate uh, thing to dig into as a community of God. Um, Freedom Sunday carries on the tradition of God hearing the cry of His people. Right? Throughout the scripture, people cry out for God, and then God hears them. God moves And rising up, a champion, and the church is the champion of humanity. The church, the bride of Christ, is the champion of humanity. And Freedom Sunday is one of the ways, a vehicle by which we awaken the church to slay slavery. We're honored to have IJM Korea's support. Um, It's not just this Sunday we're celebrating Freedom Sunday. Actually, for the next four weeks, we're going to be teaching on the theme of justice but also at the end of our time, we're going to have a, a, a speaker from IJM and come share with us. So that, that's going to be really special. Uh, and if you're thinking about joining a community group, we're starting a new curriculum through provided by IJM about the, the theme of justice and God's heart, a comprehensive view on justice as well. So really want to encourage you guys. There's a Saturday group as well. Uh, we are looking for a couple more families. So, so it's every other week, Saturday. So if you're interested, please come to myself. Or there's Wu in the back. Wu, can you say hi? You can talk to Wu in the back as well for Saturday group. All right. So a little bit about IJM before we jump into our passage. IJM has been working for the past 25 years to fight human trafficking and slavery. Some of you guys have heard of IJM. Some of you guys might not have. But they really focus on cases on human trafficking, slavery, sexual violence, police brutality, and property rights abuse by partnering with local authorities. They are in different countries, Philippines, India. The speaker that will be coming, he is a a Kiwi working in India. They're in Nepal and many places working with their police and authorities and government body to be able to um, really fight human trafficking and slavery. Just last year, I was on their website kind of looking through their impact. Just last year, they relieved close to 10,000 victims, you know, real victims from violence and oppression, retained over 4,000 suspected criminals by working with local authorities, convicted close to 12,000 perpetrators in local courts. So they're making real impact 
That's just last year. But if you think about the problem in our world and just the nature of slavery and human trafficking, the numbers are staggering. Did you know human trafficking generates $150 billion a year? It's a $150 billion industry. Just to give you context, to put it in our perspective, in U.S., that's more revenue than hospitals, one-year revenue of hospitals, health and medical insurance, and commercial banking industry. That's more, $150 million. And there are estimates of 50 million people that are living, on, living as slaves, modern-day slaves. 50 million people, that's population of a country like Korea. 50 million people all over the world enslaved. And what's heartbreaking is one in four is a child, right? Because they're the most vulnerable, they're most weak. And when we look at these numbers, you hear 50 million people, you hear $150 billion, right? It's, even when I hear these numbers, I'm so, I'm so used to these numbers, I don't see the person in it. So I, I thought I would share a video provided by IJM. Uh, the, each number of 50 billion people, there's a story, there's a son, there's a father, there's a husband, there's a daughter. So meet Folly from Ghana. Folly grew up in a poor family. His mother was absent. His father died before he was born. And he was living with his grandparents uh, until his grandparents got into a terrible accident. I'll, I'll let you watch the video. And once the video is uh, ready to go, we'll play the video and we'll come back. I'm five years old. I follow grandfather to the farm and watch what he's doing. I am nine years old. I never want to leave this place. I always help my grandfather in the market. When I left home with my uncle, I didn't see my grandparents anymore. The first time I went on the lake, I wanted to escape, but I didn't know the way.
told me my grandfather came for me. But he could not find me. My uncle said, You forget about your grandfather. Nearly 50,000 children work in Ghana's fishing industry, just like Folly. You know, Emma, Emma, my first daughter, she's about to turn nine this year. And just to, to think about the hardship that these kids have to go through. Many drown in the water trying to untangle these nets. And many, like Folly, are trafficked and forced to work without basic provision. Right? He thinks he's going with his uncle, and then he ends up being trafficked. Um, so this, so today, as we launch this justice series, Do Justice, I want to walk through Genesis 1. If you have your Bibles, we'll go to Genesis 1, chapter 26 to 31. As it was read, uh, if you rewind the story, because right, we, if you think about God's heart for justice, we really have to get to a place where why should we care? Sure, Father is a young child, and we as humans... We know what it means to raise a child. We know, we know what it means to have a child who is vulnerable. But, but we got to really get to the root of why we should actually care. And I think Genesis 1 really helps us. If you rewind the story to the very beginning, we all know Genesis 1, God created the world. We're given the window to how the world came to be. In our text, we are told that God having created all things, all reptiles, animals, birds, fish, In verse 26, the triune God pauses for a conversation. Before they create this next creature, God has a conversation and they say, let us create men in our own image, in our likeness. And and, and notice in all of the creation account, God does not say that regarding any other creation except humans. The phrase, the image of God, appears, it only actually appears four other times in all of Old Testament. It's a very unique concept. The Hebrew word for image is Salem, which means an exact representation or likeness. Salem describes humanity's reflection of God's attributes and characteristics, such as intellect, emotion, and will. We are not just physical beings, but so much of who we are is the image of God. This means every human has inherent worth and dignity. Every human has inherent worth and dignity. Look at somebody and tell them you have inherent worth and dignity. Turn around, front and back. God created each individual with great care and attention, right? We, we see this wonderful story And this truth provides incredible value to every person, every tribe, every gender, every human we see, we live with, we work among, even the people we might not like, we might not enjoy. What we ought to see is God's goodness in their reflection or God's good reflection in them. Again, as people are carefully and uniquely, thoughtfully crafted by our Creator, So every human holds inherent value simply by existing, regardless of their achievements, words, or actions. Engagement rings. I know some of you guys are just about to get married. 
When I met Lois and we started dating, we dated for a year. Last week, uh, Steve told you, told you the story of uh, my proposal. I flew to Sydney. Before I flew out, when I knew Lois was the one, I needed to get an engagement ring. Mind you, I was, I think, second year out of seminary. No money, had little savings. And, you know, I'm, look, I'm, I'm going shopping, engagement ring shopping. A friend of mine introduced me to a jeweler. And I go there and my jaw drops because I'm like, there's extra zero. I'm like, how much are these rings? It's like, I think the ring I saw were like anywhere between like eight grand to like 12 grand. I was like, that's all my savings. So I spent like the whole month reading a book about rings, clarity, cut, color, and like what, you know, what defines a good diamond. And, and it was just, it was wild, right? And I had saved up enough money to buy a motorcycle. I was like hoping I, I saved up to buy a motorcycle. Well, that motorcycle now sits on Lois's, Lois's hand when she's wearing that ring, um, but imagine a diamond ring. Like it's, it's, if you have your diamond rings, look, look at your rings. It's beautiful. You can't deny the beauty of diamonds. It sparks and shines, reflecting light in all directions. Its beauty and, and value are undeniable. If you look at an engagement ring, I mean, it, when you go to the jeweler, they have amazing lighting, right? Because light, good diamonds reflect amazing light. And you can't deny the beauty. People would go great length to, to, to get the best diamond. But why is a diamond so valuable? Like, like I, th- I think about it. Why, is a, why should a diamond cost uh, a cost of a motorcycle? It didn't make sense to me. It, it, is it because of its size or color or clarity? I mean, they, everybody, every jeweler says this is great something. I forgot all the terms, but there's all these grades, the way they grade the diamond. That's what we've been told. But the, the real reason why diamonds are so valuable is because it has its inherent worth. The diamond has worth simply because it exists. It is unique and precious, one-of-a-kind creation of nature. In the similar way, every human being has inherent worth. That's what, I, that's what, that's what it means when God says we're created in His own image. Yet we live and function in a world that places so much emphasis or focus on instru- instrumental value. Not inherent value, but instrumental value. What we do, what we say, what we achieve defines how valuable we are. Market value, social status, cultural norms define what something is worth or what someone is worth. Yet when we look at Scripture, when we look at our passage in verse 31, after God creating Adam and Eve in his own image, God looks at Adam and Eve, even before they did anything. He says they were what? In verse 31, they, he said they were very good. That they were good. Every human being, because they were created in the image of God, we hold inherent value. Yet when sin entered the picture in Genesis 3, we talk about Genesis 3 a lot. That's when Adam and Eve decides to go against the rules that God has created for our safety. And in Genesis 3, conversation between the serpent and Eve and Adam, what was falsely promised? Serpent told Adam and Eve, if you take the fruit, you will not die, but you will be like God. You will be equal to God. What the serpent is saying is, 
You can find value, inherent value. You can find value and identity away from the Creator God. You can define your own value. Define your own idea of what is valuable. And really, when you think about sin, every human sinful act, if you trace that down to the deepest roots, it comes from believing this this lie that we can create value outside of God. And this is why immediately following the fall in Genesis 3 and Genesis 4, what happens? Adam and Eve, they have two sons, Cain and Abel. And Cain murders his own brother Abel. We have first murder immediately following the fall account. Why? Why did Cain murder Abel? What was the real reason? You see, Cain became envious because what? God accepted Abel's gift and told, told Cain, you did not bring your best offering. And Cain, out of envy, out of anger, out of frustration, instead of repenting and doing the right thing, he turns around and murders his own brother. At that moment, Cain, what, what, what he did not realize was his inherent value. And when so when he felt like his gift was not accepted and Abel's gift was accepted, what happens? He reacted by murdering his own brother, doing the very opposite of God's call. If you look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 31, in verse 28, having created humanity in his likeness, in his own image, God lays out the purpose of humanity in verse 28. Right? It says, God created us in his own image, not simply so that he can boast about us, but so that we can rule, steward, and cultivate the world. It's called cultural mandate. Chapter 1, verse 28. Notice, right? So that means work existed before the fall. We think about like when we're stressed out at work or you're about to take a test and you're like, only if Adam and Eve did not take the fruit, I would not be doing this, right? We think about work as punishment, work as curse. But actually, if you look at the passage in Genesis 2, work was already there. God placed Adam in the Garden of Eden, not simply to eat and enjoy, but to work and take care of it. So work is not a result of sin. It was always part of God's design for humanity. And, and, and by design, God gave you and I work, even though you're like, oh, I hate work. Why is Pastor Sam talking about work? Monday's coming. You see... God play, by design, God gave us work as a way for us to participate in God's ongoing creative and redemptive work in the world. To reflect His image and character in all that we do. Yet again, we see in Genesis chapter 3, after the fall, chapter 3, 17 and 19, because of sin, work has become toilsome and very difficult. Have you seen any of these nature channels? I've been getting into, so uh, I've been watching these shows on Hulu. And they're these shows of like people, it's called Alone. And people try to go to nature, like alone, far away Amazon jungle, try to survive like, lo- like longest. It's a competition. And it's so hard. Like I watch these people, literally like they're, they're they, like start to start a fire to get 
like purified water to, to be able to have decent shelter. It's so painfully hard to try to hunt. Like if you go to Amazon jungle, there's all these amazing wildlife. Guess what? Like they can't get food. It's so hard. It's so difficult. Like, so when I think about, for some reason, I love that show because I just realized, wow, like we live in such a different world, right? We have this, we could go to the grocery store, Emar, get our food. We can go to 7-Eleven, get our drinks. We can, you know, te- control temperature. But when you think about nature, and if we didn't have any of this stuff, nature is a hard place. It is unforgiving place. And, and if you watch the show, many of those guys end up going to the hospital because they can't survive. Like one bug bite, they're like about to die. Right? Work has become toilsome and difficult. But the original vision of work was as, as joyful and fulfilling part of our purpose has been distorted by the effects of sin, including greed, exploitation, and injustice. So for many of us, work has become not only a place of stress, but something to achieve, something to gain and take for ourselves. Even at the expense of taking from others, as long as I get mine. And when we look at all those who, who are enslaved and trafficked, when we look at those numbers of 50 million people all over the world being enslaved, much of it can be traced back to humanity's misguided understanding of work. Our, our misunderstanding of Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, of what, why God created us in His image, and why did God put us in the garden? Because we have forgotten or we have been misguided. There's so much brokenness when it comes to people and relationship. We enslave one another. We abuse one another. We take a child and make him jump in the ocean so that we can make money for ourselves. We sell our own children. I mean, if you, if you just watch these stories, these videos from IJM, it's just unthinkable things that we do. Yet Jesus comes along, Right? He not only models, but invites you and I to turn away from our own vision or idea of work onto His. That's what Jesus has done. When we look at all those who are enslaved and trafficked, again, it's, much of it is, is misunderstanding of verse 28. So let's look at verse 28. God blessed them. This is God after creating Adam and Eve in His own image both male and female, he tells them this is what's called cultural mandate. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Two quick, quickly, two main aspects. If you break that down, one, there is this call to creativity. The cultural mandate calls us to be productive and creative. Are using our God-given talent to create culture, art, technology, and other forms of human expression. We're called to be co-creators with God, reflecting His creative and beauty in everything we do. Do you guys like my slides? 
Like every week, man, I toiled through these slides. Like it seems very simple, right? It seems like this will take me like 10 minutes. Like one picture, if I don't like it, I have to draw it all over again. And, 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 but yet, something in tells me, like, I want something beautiful. Not that it's always beautiful. I'm, I'm not posting my art. But, 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 but that, that drive to make something beautiful and really perfect or, or, or make, it, make it better, that's part of what we're called to do. I love what Martin Luther says about creativity, human creativity and work. He says, the Christian shoemaker does his duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes. Some of us, that's what we think, what it means to be a Christian shoemaker. But he says, by making good shoes. Because God is interested in good craftsmanship. I love that. Right? Like, like Martin Luther's like, stop making these bad shoes with crosses. Actually make good shoes that people can wear because God cares about our creativity. God gave us our creativity and we should be used to bring good into the world. The second part, and this is the part we want to focus on as we celebrate Freedom Sunday, is the call to stewardship. Everyone say stewardship. The cultural mandate also calls you and I to exercise responsible stewardship over the natural world. As caretakers of God's creation, we are called to protect the environment, conserve resources, and care for the needs of all living things. This means that we should be mindful of our consumption and waste and seek to promote sustainable practices in all, on all aspects of our lives. So when I first married Lois, uh, you know, I'm American, Lois is Australian, this is generalization, but so when, when uh, we used to like buy groceries, uh, like as an American, maybe as an immigrant like family, we just buy so much of it. When Lois first went to Costco with me, she's like, what is this? Like she, she couldn't believe like how much I, I would buy and I would store away. Like when I go home and visit my, my parents, they have like three refrigerators. And they have like one for like Korean food, one for Costco runs. Um, and, and for Lois, like coming from different backgrounds, she just could not believe the way like I would, I would use things, consume things. And, 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 and this matters. When we look at scripture, this is actually important that we don't just abuse things. We don't just take things and use it as much as we need. There's this call to live sustainably. And, and especially in the way we deal with other people, in the way we, we consume. So going back to Folly's life, when, in Folly's life, what happened to him, what's happening to guys like Folly, boys like Folly, matters to God. It breaks God's heart that people are being enslaved throughout Scripture. God will not stand. God will not remain silent when people are living in captivity. And so this must call us to action, right? To, to be truly human, is to faithfully steward the beauty of God's creation actively. It's not simply being His image, but it's also acting in His image to really care about those that no one cares about. And in this very passage, in, in this very passage, if you think about human rights, right, outside of church in the secular world, 
Where did secular world get their understanding of human rights or human ethics? Because if the cosmos is all there is, if the world is all there ever was and all there ever will be, and strong always takes from the, 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 the weak, if existence of humanity is mere accident, then all of the injustices of human experience is just natural part of life. That's how life works. None of this that we talk about really matters. Yet because we believe the scripture to be true, and, 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 and we have been invited, right? we see Jesus who enters creation, broken creation with so much chaos and strife. He enters creation to show us really the true image of God. But IJM, organizations like IJM and Compassion and different organizations cannot do this work alone. I mean, last year's impact, that's amazing, but compared to the, to the problem, 50 billion people, 4,000 being set free, that's a drop in the bucket. We need all the churches. We need this community. This is our call, our responsibility. So, so let's go back to the video. Uh, here's the rest of Folly's story, and we'll come back and, and, and wrap up our time together. And he said, those are the people who come for small boys. So when they come, I should jump into the water and swim away. of God that we read in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 to 31 is a, is a foundational concept of our faith. Again, reminding us of inherent value and dignity of every human being. And the ultimate revelation of the image of God is found in Jesus Christ who is the image of the invisible God. Paul says it in Colossians chapter 1 15. That through Christ, we see what it means to truly reflect God's image in the world. We see Jesus, if you think about Jesus' stories throughout the Gospels, Jesus had this amazing ability to see people, to really see people. Right? You think about our, our week, maybe my week, I don't know your week, but 
I'm running around, right? I got two young kids uh, leading this church. I got different things I'm doing. And I'm always running around. Someone might be crying in the subway, and I'm honestly, sometimes I'm just too busy to even interrupt them. But when we see throughout the story, Jesus never passed by an opportunity to show people that they actually matter. There's a dignity in them. The poor, the wretched, the outcast, the Samaritan woman, the person who's lame, the blind person. Jesus had this unique ability to see people and show them they have true dignity. So as we see this amazing, as we think about this amazing ability of Jesus, I hope as we walk through this season of looking at God's heart for justice, we get to slow down. We get to not only love Jesus for what he's done, but join him in this fight against injustice. You know, we're going to have an opportunity to respond um, at the end of our justice series in, in four weeks. IJM, if you have any more questions or things that you want to get involved in, there's a table. There will be a representative from IJM there uh, throughout the series. You can talk to them even after today. Um, but let's spend some time praying. Um, you know, Folly is just one of 50,000 children, one of 50 million people that are enslaved. Um, can we just spend a few moments uh, praying together, asking God to, one, uh, save, rescue, but also, two, to move the church, move our hearts. Even if, even if we're sitting and watching this video and our hearts are not moved, let's say, Lord, would you move my heart? Would you help me to, would you help my heart to really break for what breaks yours? Let's take a moment to pray, and I'll pray for us, and we'll go to time of communion together. Father, our hearts, our hearts are heavy, and, and, and there is um, maybe even a sense of hopelessness looking at the numbers, and maybe the easy thing is to say, man, what, what does it matter? I'm just one person. Yeah, Lord, we, we, we see the testimony of an organization like IJM was one man who said, I'm not going to stay silent, and you've created this amazing organization to save thousands of people. Lord, I just pray you would give us courage and compassion. Also, Lord, this idea of having inherent value. God, if anyone is struggling with, with their own view of themselves, if anyone here is discouraged by rejection, by not making enough progress, or by whatever happened at work, at home, I pray that you would remind them that they have inherent value. Even before anything that they can do or they can say, they can achieve, you said they were good. But also at the same time, God, as we are reminded of that, help us to see the world, see people in our city, people in our workplaces, people on the streets, and teach us, Lord, how to, how to see people truly the way you saw them. Give us compassion, um, Compassion that will move us to action, Lord. We pray for all the injustice and we pray for all those that are trafficked around the world. Even today, Lord, would you rescue, would you speak, would you comfort, would you save, and would you inspire uh, people, your church, 
to really stand for those who cannot stand, to speak for those who cannot speak. Thank you for IJM. Thank you for our time together. Continue to move our church in that direction, Lord. We thank you. Jesus, let me pray. Amen.